Welcome, welcome to the Cave of Wonders, the land of mystery, otherwise known as the weekly catch-up of a couple of nerds. I'm Maddie, an engineering student and a techie, and this is Belle, our local Disney nerd. Hello! We've still got our training wheels on, so if we get any of our facts wrong or you want to join in the discussion, tweet at us at the Disney Nerd Techie or use the hashtag DisNerdTechie. Let's jump right into the podcast. Music. We'll put the intro music here. Okay. So let's start with our first segment, The Moment of Magic. <laughs> this is our Disney segment. Very Disney oriented. Um, this week is actually a mixture of Disney and bit of tech. Um, in Orlando, in Disney World, they have this theme park ride called Stitch's Great Escape. It's people don't really like it that much so there's a lot who've been cheering it and then some who've kind of said we've misjudged it we've misjudged it but kind of after the fact it's been closed since January um and it was expected to be a seasonal offering but people were still thinking it was gonna disappear forever uh but there have been some interesting photos that have been leaked in the last uh the last say month I think and they are of some of the animatronics that are in the attraction so the robot characters that uh, perform the show for guests to see um, so those being Stitch, Sergeant C4703 BK2704-90210 that's his full name and Skippy and it's just interesting there's a Stitch animatronic that was posted on Reddit a uh, the Sergeant was post and Skippy were both posted on Twitter accounts, and they look so sad. I know. If, if you, <laughs> have you ever seen like it? Honestly, it looks like they were in like a po- post-apocalyptic like uh, <laughs> um like catastrophe or something. They've just had well, like Stitch especially, but I just think it's that lighting it just makes Stitch look so sad. Mm. I personally haven't been on this ride, so I, I don't have any nostalgia. I've got a little specifically bit. Specifically yeah. for the ride. Uh, I have no love towards the ride, basically. <laughs> but, you know, I, I got a sweet spot for animatronics. And these, they just look, they look like they either could come out of like a horror film, like a horror game, or um, like a post-apocalyptic. <laughs> they look so sad. For context, they're, they're, they've been skinned. So... Normally when you see the animatronics in the parks, they say, for instance, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, you normally see it, um, got his full furs, his alien suit, he's out wreaking havoc on everyone. But here they've taken you know, all of the animatronics that we, that have been posted online, probably illegally um, or against company policy, the fur and all the exterior that makes it look like the character's being kind of stripped away. And so it just looks like the bear bones of the animatronics which yeah it's 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 bittersweet that the ride's gone but this kind of gets you at the heart a little bit pulls your heartstrings a little bit just a tad just a tad <laughs> but oh. it just pulls your heartstrings means yeah. it's a good thing it just pull it, it's more like it crushes your heart like it's a bad thing whoever whoever found, like took these photos i feel like they should get mad props like on Instagram or something. I feel like they deserve like a couple thousand likes. <laughs> like these these are really cool photos. The Twitter one definitely. Oh, the, the Reddit one's been republished and reposted by people on news sites. That's not an issue. The Twitter one's now got a following for urban exploration. Oh, what's urban exploration? I've never heard of that. It's kind of like when businesses or when, yeah, it's more businesses, I think. Sometimes they just leave places abandoned for periods of time they just don't have a use for it anymore they don't necessarily sell the property off to anyone and it just lays there to waste away um and so you'll find 
any like heaps of places around the world places that people like to explore and go through so there'll be like abandoned hospitals abandoned do you remember Splatterlot the tv series in yeah yeah yeah, 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 they, yeah. they had that was i think they had a stage in canada and that's pretty much wasting away and there's people who visited that and just jumped around on the set pretended they've been on Splatterlot. wow <laughs> isn't that like illegal like i feel like if you like if you harm yourself like if you like fall like or something or if you cut yourself on a rusty hook or whatever like the the company would have some liability so i feel like it would wouldn't they no or i don't know are you trespassing like it seems like a really gray area of like law mm, it it probably if it if it's still owned by the company it could be still deemed as trespassing there are the, like i don't know if they've dealt with people who've had injuries per se on that sort of thing i know that um in areas where they shouldn't be where the company's still active so if you look at disney they've got um what's it called uh, Discovery Island and what's it called? There's a, a river country. I think it's river country. They're both abandoned, still exist. And if you're found there on property or backstage in the theme parks, they'll escort you off property. They'll pink card you so they tell you never come back. You're banned from Disney World forever. Oh, my goodness. So that's a thing. Wow. But I think from that perspective, it's probably like you're trespassing onto private property. Yeah. But getting back to the animatronic yeah. stuff. <laughs> getting back to animatronic. It's interesting the sort of tech they've got in there because it's Stitch's Great Escape was not a ride that the ride came out in about two thousand and four, I believe. But oh, okay. but the a lot of the the sergeant and Skippy are both predating the attraction in the previous attraction extraterrestrial alien encounter. Very scary ride. Very un-Disney-esque, some would say. Others would say it's, it was more entertaining for the teenager crowd. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you can see the mu- the, the pumatics. I don't know if that's pneumatics. how you say it. Pneumatics. I am a terrible at pronouncing things. <laughs> pneumatics. Silent P. <laughs> you can see the pneumatics on um, Sergeant? Yeah, Sergeant. Okay, Sergeant. And it's, like, pretty cool that, like... I'm pretty sure, like, every single joint is – looks – every single joint um, looks like it's controlled through pneumatics, not really any, like, direct motors or servos and stuff because, yeah, like, obviously during the time, motors and stuff, they were, there wasn't a lot of, um, like, servos and – programming capability so it all had to be done mechanically and this was about mid 1990s mind you yeah the stitch one would be about predating 2004 the rest would be about mid 90s do you know anything about disney's like current um animatronics because i feel like servos and stuff would become like micro servos and everything would become a lot more popular because i don't know i feel like they would be cheaper maybe but i guess pneumatics are probably like more reliable yeah and I um, think the people they've outsourced that work to more recently. What's his name again? Um, Warner. Warner. Warner Brothers. No, 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 no. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Not the not enemy. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> Fraternizing with the enemy. That's the opposite of what they'd want to do. Um, um, what's his name? What's his name? Garner Holt, not Warner. Garner Holt Productions, who was inspired by the sort of Disney animatronics and especially Abraham Lincoln, I'm pretty sure. Um, but if you look at some of the um, photos of the work they've been doing and some, of, you look through the portfolios, there's a lot of Disney attractions that he's um, been working on, like Buzz Lightyear, um, Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters, the Little Mermaid attraction. There's various different ones, but they all, a lot of them seem to me anyway to use pneumatics oh really Mm. i always i always wonder is that because of his experience and it's like he knows how to use it and it's just the best for him or if it's a reliability like i want i i really like to know like the pros and cons like how they came to that decision of like the the dominant technology to be used is like pneumatics it could be a matter of the the um the amount of cycles that a servo can take they they only last a certain period of time. I don't know. Oh, that's true. I don't know whether with a pneumatic system, whether 
you can keep it all in place and it's just like the the, yeah. the main power source I, just has to get replaced. Yeah. And I guess it's also easier for it to like wrap around um like bends and curves and stuff because mm. the all the piping is it's very flexible. Like you don't get that with electric well, you get it with wires, but not necessarily um motors and stuff. If you have a tight spot, you can just stick a tiny pneumatic Mm. piston thing rather mm. than um yeah it kind of makes sense um yeah but it's still interesting to see i didn't know that channels. disney didn't do it in-house i thought that they had imagineers or something see that's what i thought as well i think it might depend on the scale of what they're doing so i'm pretty sure disney had a big hand more recently in toy story land in orlando at hollywood studios the What's his name? Um, Squeezy Wheezy. Was it Wheezy? Wheezy. Wheezy. There's a Wheezy animatronic. Oh, cute. So he's. they've been working on him for like two or three years. Is he just Wheeze? He and sings. He sings. He sings you good a friend of me. It's oh, really Oh, that's cute. And he wheezes <laughs> while he sings, I'm assuming, because his name is Wheezy. <laughs> <laughs> I think the voice book's a little off. <laughs> <laughs> you got to add in that genuine character genuine american cow <laughs> well yeah but I think i'm a bit shooketh that <laughs> i don't know is shooketh a word it might be an informal word but i wouldn't use <laughs> well i am shooketh that disney does it like outsources they, it i think it yeah again it depends i think they also worked on the little mermaid the big ursula animatronic i think it's more when it comes to the big, the big, the more robust ones and the Avatar figures at um at, at Animal Kingdom now, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're all done in house. The more up, like, up and coming ones, but then there's the little ones that just have like sim- simple motions where they go, oh, we need we need some help. Why would? But I don't understand why they would need that. Like if they know how to do the complicated stuff, like. They should know how to do the simple stuff. Like you got to know, you got to know how to walk before you can run. So oh, if they know how yeah. to walk, wouldn't it just be like, yeah, five minutes? I can just stick some pneumatics on a head. Done. Boom. Now you got to stitch animatronic. Five minutes flat. Boom. It could be a cost thing if it's easier oh, to just outs- It's easier to outsource it to people to say Warner Holt, Lagana Holt. Sorry, who knows what they're doing. Then it's like it's on a demand based. It's a demand based approach. So if they if they decide they're not going to have any rides with any animatronics for the next ten years, the people working at Disney are either going to be there and not actually doing anything, or they're going to be sacked. And it's not it's not a very long term approach. Whereas if you can outsource it to Garner Holt, for instance, who have other clients at other parks and oh, doing yeah. other things. I'm pretty sure he was employed by Chuck E. Cheese when they had animatronics. Now I'm pretty sure they've gotten rid of all theirs. But there's always businesses who might seek his seek work from him. Yeah. I feel like the big thing with animatronics, I feel like the reason they're kind of going a bit out of fashion is that like people like think they they're creepy. Hmm. Could yeah. And it takes a lot of time and it resources. It takes a lot of time and resources. And if they're not like really adding that much value or benefit. My my personal favorite animatronics are the ones that like don't try to be like just miss the whole. Like you know how the Uncanny Valley, right? Mm. So the Uncanny Valley is like a principle that like you reach a certain point of realistic. You reach a certain point of realistic where it then becomes, like, horrific and, like, really unsettling. And that's the un- uncanny valley. So, like, um, animation had to go through and, like, pass the uncanny valley. So I feel like, yeah, maybe pushing technology and stuff with what anima- um, animatronics can do and making more realistic things is one approach. But I think another approach is just only use animatronics in characters that don't necessarily need to even be in that uncanny valley area. Like Wally, right? Mm. Mm. Wally is a robot. 
so it would make sense <laughs> to have a robot Wally riding around. Like, do they have a robot Wally riding around Disney parks? Not at this point. Why don't they? Like, that seems like the most, like, simplest thing to do. Or an animatronic Baymax. Do they have an animatronic Baymax? They have a costume character Baymax. They do. They used to have something similar to a Wally. They had push the talking trash can. Okay. Yeah. See, <laughs> like I feel like that just makes like it makes sense. Like, do you know what I mean? Like thematically, talking trash cans. <laughs> talking trash cans. Wally. Um, I don't know. You could have the robot from like Meet the Robinsons. What's his name? Carl. Carl. <laughs> you could have a Carl. I don't know if it was financially recognizable. I don't know, <laughs> but like they've had they've had animatronics in the in. I guess they I just f- they feel a bit like Carl in the past, but they've kind of gone out with time. Like Timekeeper, who yeah. was played by Robin Williams. He was in an attraction. Yeah, um, they had Tom Morrow. That's a pun, oh. Mr. Tom. Paging oh, Mr. Morrow, Mr. Yeah. Tom Morrow. Tomorrow. Oh, I get it. <laughs> like it was, it looked human in the sense of the the, the face organization and the way he moved, but you could like it was very, very um, much robotic. It was like it was a robotic figure. You could tell it was a robot, and it wasn't. There wasn't any issue with Uncanny Valley because it didn't look like a person. It was built mechanically like a person but it yeah. wasn't a person so it was a humanoid yeah that's that's what <laughs> yeah so it was a humanoid it was a humanoid robot which i you know i think it's fine and i feel like people don't get creeped out by humanoid robots because they're like they can clearly see oh lol it's a robot but what about the garner holt um abraham lincoln i'm gonna be honest Abra- the abraham okay the abraham lincoln looks amazing but because it looks amazing like some people will get creeped out by it. Have you seen the redo? They've he's they've done one with the same tech, but, but on a random person. Yeah, like that. That looks that looks impressive. amazing. It's very impressive. I am very impressed from an engineering standpoint. I'm like slow clap, fast clap, <laughs> lots of clapping. That's amazing. Encore. <laughs> take off my hat. I'm not wearing a hat, but if I was, I'd take it off and it'd be like, dude. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> but could we ever get to a point where it looks as expressive as that and as realistic that it surpasses the point of Uncanny Valley? I don't know. I, I think it it almost has passed Uncanny Valley, but it's just, I don't know. I think there might be like a survivalistic <laughs> instinct in like people that they don't like technology that like looks like them because it might replace them like i don't know i don't know if it's instinct i don't know it's like just maybe like a societal thing or it's just i don't know it just unsettles people Mm. do you know what i mean i feel like you have to get over those ideas that people have and the fears of robots but it's one thing to be like a fear like i don't like i don't like but I don't like the thought of robots replacing people, but then there's fears like, I don't like the look of that animatronic. It creeps me out. Like, it's a different sort of fear. Yeah, but I think the creep that creeps me out, it's caused by an underlying fear. Of something that looks very similar to us. That is not us. The That's... outcast. <laughs> I don't know. Will we move on to the next topic? Or is yeah, it's, any... been, it's been about... It's been a fair bit. Okay. Well, we'll move on to um, Square Eyes segment where we review um, things that we've been watching slash consuming. This could be games, video games, or like uh, TV series or movies or if if you can watch it, if it's a consumable product. I don't know. A movie's consumable? You, you technically – you can purchase movies. It's stuff – it's I guess consumed. entertainment you can consume. If you're but paying it for it's, it's a service, so you can yeah. consume it. But it's not like food where you like eat it. But you also don't consume and then products it disappears. You <laughs> <laughs> like you don't eat a movie and then it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> but you can buy you can buy, say, a piece of furniture, that's consumption, just not in the eating sense. It's, oh, that's you're, true. If you're a consumer, you buy things. That's you're consuming. True. It just doesn't mean you're eating, consuming. I don't, that sort. I don't know why I went on that tangent. <laughs> but this is our square eyes segment. <laughs> and um, 
Uh, you've watched an interactive TV series? It's kind of a TV series. It's an episode series because um, I've been wanting to start working on my um, Spanish skills, Ooh. which really haven't been <laughs> but progressing you can, much. You can speak Italian, though, so it kind of like it helps. It helps. It helps. It helps. There's, there's words, you hear words, and you're like, oh, yeah, I know what that means. Kind of good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they're talking about. Unless it's like burro. If it's burro, you think it's it's butter. In Italian, it's butter. In Spanish, it's a donkey. Oh. So you've got to be careful with that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but I found I, the reason why we're bringing this up, it's not Disney-related, it's tech-related. Um, because... It tries to teach you Spanish by pretending you're in Barcelona, but it's putting you at the centre of the story. Like everyone looks at you when they're talking to you and you make choices that sometimes influence the storyline. It's not It's not like um, it influences the storyline so much that the end result's going to be different. It's more little things like, do you want some water or do you want vino? Do you want wine? Do you want some orange juice? They'll put it out for you and you pick. But... It's just interesting how they've integrated um, a programming approach to learning languages in the sense of you get to make choices, um, you, it stops for a minute to do some little activities based on the stuff you've been hearing about, like, oh, you've been, uh, someone's been doing introductions with you. Maybe we should go over some introductory things. Here's some stuff you might hear from some, you're going to meet someone's mother Here's some things she might ask you, so you need to be ready for. Sorry, what was the TV series called? Again? It's called Mi Vida Loca, Who My Crazy Life. Is it, is it by BBC? BBC. Oh, yeah. sorry. Okay, that's cool. So it's almost like you, the viewer becomes a character yep. it in is, the story. You are. You are. You're you the are, protagonist. You're the protagonist. So the viewer is not only a character, it's like a protagonist in the story. Mm. And so it's like complete, the fourth wall is just broken the entire time Mm. so is it got like how does it work is it like multiple choice like in certain points do they pause and they go oh would you like a drink sometimes they pause a little bit they're like what would you like and or here's a menu what would you like to pick and so it'll there's this dictionary but the dictionary is like a phrase book but the phrase book is a person and so the phrase book talks to you and says okay so you've got some options. Click on the options you want to hear about. Or they might be like, here's some of the stuff you're going to be asked about. Here's what they mean. When you're when you're ready for it, tell them what it is you want. You click the option. Yeah, I can see how this would be great in like learning like the conversational skills, especially if you like didn't have someone to speak to at home mm. in Spanish. And like you could like it almost like puts you in like real life scenarios. To some extent. To some extent. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you're at a restaurant, you want to order something and everyone speaks Spanish and you need to speak Spanish. So you just... Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So it's almost like, you know, like when I was learning Italian, I didn't continue, but when I was learning Italian, <laughs> a lot of, like we had a textbook and everything and it had like all the phrases and like conversational starters and everything like, oh, like... This is what I would like to eat and where's the bathroom and how are you and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And so, like, I feel like that would be a great way to, like, learn it. It's a bit more fun than just, like, repeating it over and over again. It's more of, a, like, a conversational type thing. Yeah. But I also think it this kind of shows how, like, different, like, media is changing, like, a little bit mm. and becoming, like, a bit more interactive. Like, yeah, like, also with, like, smart TVs and stuff, I feel like more like entertainment can be a lot more interactive than it is right now so Mm. it's like in between a video game and watching a movie like somewhere in between Mm. i feel like netflix has kind of done this with i haven't i haven't watched slash played um there's like a puss in boots do um your own adventure story do your own adventure story and so it's like you choose each plot line. And so your ending might be a little bit different oh. depending on like what path you choose in like a storybook. It's almost like a storybook. So is it, a, is it classified as a TV series when you look for it? Um, 
it has like a little bookmarky thing on it. Like it has like a little classification thing on top of it. So it's not a TV it's, show, it's, but it's 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 on Netflix, so it's considered a TV series. But with it, but it's actually, but I think it's like called like story book mode or something. Like, do you remember those um, tell your own adventure stories where you would like flip? Oh, you'd flip to the page. That flip was to relevant. the page that was relevant, and then you would read on. Yeah. So it was like that, mm. but instead you would like click an option, and then it would play that option. Mm. So it could be different it, every time. And yeah. It differently. Yeah. I think Netflix is also producing another TV series like this, but like for adults mm. or a movie. I'm pretty sure. That would be interesting. Maybe. I have, I can't remember what it is called. I heard it like a while back, but like, I think executed well, this could be really good. Mm. It's all in the execution. It's- all in the execution. And you want to like reach that correct, that right, the right balance between video game and movie. Have you um have you played any of the Telltale games? I've played one or two episodes of the Minecraft one or I've I've observed my brother <laughs> playing. <laughs> pick that one, pick that one. <laughs> those those games are very much almost like choose your own adventure. Except I'm pretty sure the ending's always practically the same. I oh, think is that's, it? There there's not many variables that change. Yeah. In how it ends. Yeah, I think it could be really interesting if you have like something with like a lot of different variables and stuff. Um, it could also make an ideal TV series for someone. One person might want certain characters killed off, others might want them to stay alive yeah. by the end of it. And then you you can have people either really happy or really upset, basically. But it's all up to all, it's all your choices. <laughs> like, if you want to ship these two characters, go ahead and ship them. Like, I don't think it's going to replace TV because. Like I feel like sometimes people want to have a passive experience where they just want to want to come home from work, they want to switch off, they just want to watch MasterChef for a couple of hours <laughs> and see, yeah, just, you know, just chill. You don't want to think too much. Um, yeah, but if you want to have like a more active and like like you don't want to invest in like a video game story <laughs> which can go on for like forty hours plus and they're pretty expensive. Mm. So it's, yeah, so it's like a couple, it's like a two-hour experience. And it doesn't rely on your ability. It's more it's choices. M- yeah, it's more choices. So you don't have to have repeat the level 50 times and yeah. get, get really frustrated over it. Yeah. I think I would like that from the perspective that I don't, I, like I watch a bit of TV. Um, but when it comes to me like binge watching stuff, I can do that for a day and that's about it. So if I get sick. I need to do something after a day's worth of stuff. If I had some TV shows where I kind of have to think a little bit more, I think I'd be a bit more inclined to watch a bit more TV. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. That makes sense. Um, I feel like it would also work really well for like like a mystery, mm. like like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie style. Yeah, because there's certain shows where, where you want to get a bit more involved in it, but sometimes it goes either too slowly or too quickly to, for you to unravel everything. Do you remember like on, like they used to have like on DVD, play, like on the oh, bonus the, the features, games. the games that you would use your like remote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> they were so much fun. <laughs> they were fun, but I would get creeped out by the style of all of them for some reason. There's a thing I had with those TV games, sometimes they'd just be a little bit too dark I, and I'd I don't know. Out. The only one that I had was Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> <laughs> was like Wallace and Gromit and the Were Rabbit. Because I wanted the DVD and then somebody bought me instead the DVD game. I don't know. I was little. And I was a bit annoyed, but I was like, sure, I'll play this game. I really wanted the DVD, <laughs> but this will do. <laughs> For Christmas one year. <laughs> It was funny, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think – have you ever been to oh, – I went to, um, like, I think it was like Spy Kids 3 or something when it came out. No, yeah, yeah. There was like Smell-O-Vision. Or was that the, the, the rebooted s- one? Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, rebooted I one. one. I had like a scratch – They we went into the movies and they gave us like a scratch and sniff. I remember that one. Thing. <laughs> it was like so weird. That that fell out of style very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want it to be gimmicky. Mm. 
which I think these things kind of can be at some points. Like, if it works for the story, like, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like with 3D animation. That could have been pretty... It could have been seen as gimmicky, but it depends on the execution. Like, Toy Story, I think, was pretty much the first 3D animated film, and that set it up well for the style and what you can do with the medium. So there's... Num- and then you've got things like 3D TV and smell-o-vision. Smell-o-vision. <laughs> Some of them are probably gimmicky from the start, but others probably have a bit more untapped potential that really just needs to be set off in the right direction to be taken seriously. Yeah. Like, do you remember, like, those the old 3D lenses? The red and, the real <laughs> the red and blue ones? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably looking in an okay direction, but... I don't know, like we still use it for certain 3D films and it's probably got its applications at theme parks to yeah. some extent, but... Yeah. On to talking about the 3D and gimmicks, uh, I think this like brings us on to our next segment, the The future has arrived. The future has arrived. <laughs> um, so this is our tech segment. So um, Vimeo have announced that they're going to partner up with this company called Looking Glass Factory. Mm. And so... Vimeo- like Alice Looking Glass? Sure, you can, you can go with that. <laughs> they make they make holographic displays. Mm. You, uh, holographic um, volumetric displays. So um, I think Vimeo is just allowing that type of content to be published on their website. So they're right now, like they're a like semi paid, like some stuff you have to pay to view other stuff. You don't, I don't know if you have to pay if you have an account uh, to publish or to, to publish. View. I don't know. Some I'm stuff sure. you have to pay to view and I don't know if you have to pay to publish. I don't know. Sometimes I watch videos on Vimeo, but. I don't know that much about it. <laughs> it seems <laughs> to be, is that to be the, honest. Is that the big one for short films? Yeah, it's a big one yeah. for short films because I think they, they can monetize it a little bit better than YouTube and they can also mm. like regulate what websites it appears on a little mm. bit better than YouTube. And there's awards. And there's awards. <laughs> so you get recognition. Recognition. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> maybe, oh, wow. We, maybe we need to put this podcast up on Vimeo. No. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Recognised. Best tech and Disney segment of the year. The only tech. <laughs> well, you know what the- they say. If, if you choose a niche. I don't know. Do they say that? <laughs> Do they say to choose a niche? I, I think they should say choose a niche. <laughs> and hope it's the right niche. And hope it, other people listen to your niche. <laughs> that it's not too small. Um, holographic. But what do you mean by holographic? Like, what, okay, where's the well, tech out now? So it's not, it's not using headsets. It's not using AR. It's not using HoloLens, um, like headsets or anything. So it's, um, it's more of like a display. So, uh, kind of imagine it, what it looks like is almost like acrylic sheets on top of a screen. And then the sheets kind of just bend the light. So it looks like a hologram almost. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen like those glass things where they've got the in little... the shops where you have, Oh, have you seen like the video of like a butterfly and then they have like the folded up, um, acrylic on top of it, and so it looks like the butterfly is flying mm. in the in like a hollow, like holographically. Okay. Or like those glass things you put on like a display, and then you turn the them light, in it, then it and looks then they look, yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, you know the Nintendo 3ds's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, similar to that. So it's kind of bending of light and kind of looks holographic a little bit <laughs> the thing is i don't know if this is a gimmick or not i feel like i feel like it's a gimmick it could have potential depending on how you decided to use it i don't really know the use case what if it was it? like you were projecting for it like an equivalent to ar but in a more tangible space like if you but were viewing prob- like if you were viewing a human body and try it like for medical purposes but the problem is in AR, it's very interactive. And because of the headset, 
if you if you have an AR headset, if you not, it's just on your phone. But if you have an AR headset, um, it can fill up a whole space. You're not limited by those physical boundaries, mm. and you can also interact with it. And you can like touch it and pull in and out and all that kind of stuff, and do a lot more mm. gestures and everything. Could you incorporate but something with Looking Glass because it's physical? Mm. There's kind of a confinement. I, I guess you could integrate it with controls. Is that what you're going to suggest? Yeah, integrate it somehow so that you can still you, – you don't necessarily need a headset. And especially with well, – I think it's more an issue with VR where some people get quite nauseous yeah. with that sort of thing to make it more in a tangible space so that people don't have those sort of issues but you can still interact with it in such yeah. a way that, that AR currently uses. I can see this as a use case in like people designing AR assets and then just being able to look at it 24/7. Oh, like in the th- the, three, the 360 sort of space you can see it around. Kind of like when if you so, do a 3D model and then you look at it through VR so you can see it visually but it's actually more real life than it is. Well, um, I was thinking more like, okay, let's just say you are making AR games for the HoloLens, Mm. right? Um, You obviously need to test out and see how that looks in a three-dimensional space. Mm. So you would either have to test it out with the HoloLens, but, like, you can't do that all the time. Mm. You can't, like, make a tiny change and then – do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you have, like, a tiny screen on your desk – where you can see a hologram version of it, mm. you can then get a, like a more holistic image. And then you can just get back to work. And then back to yeah. work. Or like, you know how, I don't know, for three, yeah, for 3D animation and for, I'm assuming, well, VR has 3D animation in it. Often they'll 3D print the sculptures of like the bodies of like the people mm. or like, do you know what I mean? Mm. So that they'll be able to see a physical model and see how they move and everything. And so it'll be easier for the people to visualize it and play around with it rather than just seeing it in a digital space. Um, I can see that as an application. I've I've played around at an arcade. They had this um, Crazy Tower arcade game where it kind of looked like it had the similar technology of like this hologram effect. And so it was like one of those stacker games where you where you stack to win like points or whatever. You stack the blocks of stack the building. Stack the blocks, yeah. And make sure you got enough yeah. at the top. So yeah. I, I was yeah. So cool but game. the display is um like holographic. Like I went with my like my younger siblings and they were like we were all like pretty excited. We we're like this looks so cool, blah blah blah. Like it made sense in like that arcade setting because mm. we were all like, yeah, this is so cool. This is the future. <laughs> but like it was a gimmick. Do you know what I mean? It just feels kind of like you see it the one off. But like I can't imagine people like buying this and putting it in their houses to show their photos or something. What if it was a way of doing, say, video calls? Like they got to the point where they could capture, like, you know, have you seen the Jetsons? Yeah, yeah. Where because I've been, I've thought about this before, but not in this sense. I'll tell you why. The they have effectively FaceTime calls. We're at that point. Well, you can do Skype calls, video calls, yeah. but there they can f- go through the physical space and throw like a bowling ball or something at the other person. Not ideal, but the point is it's a more sort of tangible way of viewing someone. It's like they're there but not really there. They're in the box. Like Star Wars holograms. Yeah, so what if you could like see someone, eventually we get to the point where we can see someone, um, cl- clear quality, uh, full colour image, but it's like they're there to some extent. Or part of them are there, like just their face or torso or something. You see, the thing is, I don't... For AR technology, I definitely see the benefit. I definitely... For AR technology or maybe even like some form of projection, Mm. I can see how this could be interesting. But for a tiny face, I feel like it's not really... Like, what what would be the point of just seeing someone's head sticking out of this tiny box? You see a holographic head. Well, like I, don't it's, see, it's I don't see the, ben- the benefit over FaceTime. I see the AR 
AR being able to like physically interact with them and stand up and walk around and sit down and show your gestures and everything. And Mm. so it feels more like that they're there. I understand that. Mm. If it's their whole body, but if it's literally just like a segment and it's limited to that tiny box. Let's say it was a whole, they got to the point where you could do a whole room thing and you could do like a whole room conference and there's, well, the, there's something the with the tangibility the, of having people there. The way that the hologram, there. well, the way that Looking Glass Factory's hologram technology thing works yeah. is that the, it, you're limited, the hologram is limited by the, the glass panel. So for, for, the acrylic yeah, yeah. or whatever it's made out of, yeah, the perspex yeah. or whatever. Whatever is used to bend the light so it looks like a hologram. Mm. So it's confined to basically a box. Mm. Actually, let me think. It, okay, have you seen like Night at the Museum? Yeah. The hologram in I think one of the films. They had like a hologram. Maybe, the, maybe I imagine that. Where the displays would like talk to the people. I don't know if I remember that. Okay. More well, recent film? I have no idea. Maybe it wasn't in Nine at the Museum. I saw it in something. <laughs> we like the like the museum displays. Like they had Teddy Roosevelt and he was like... Oh, that would have been Nine at the Museum I'm, then. I'm Teddy Roosevelt and, you know, this is my life and et cetera, et cetera. Let me walk you through the whole experience. Let me be your tour guide. Mm. I can see that, like having those like at museums and stuff and like making dis- like that more futuristic and more interactive. Hmm. So I feel like, yeah, but like gimmicks work in that setting. Hmm. Gimmicks work when you're going to amusement parks and when you're going to arcades and when you're going to zoos and you're going to museums because you're going there to see something new. You're not going there to use something on a day-to-day basis. You're going there to see something novelty, to see something new, to have your mind blown, to like, do you know what I mean? But is every... To see something that's like art or inspirational, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a different form of expression. It's a different medium. But it's not necessarily going to be useful. But it doesn't mean it doesn't have any use cases. Could it be a gimmick now but it becomes more feasible future-wise. Like what what we think today is not, is not, like I guess you'd need to be able to see a use for it, obviously, otherwise there's, there's no market for it and no one's going to buy it. But could something that seems out of the question today and gimmicky today be something more tangible in the future? I th- I think holograms definitely have a use case but i think ar i think as soon as you put a limit on the space that it could be inhabiting it's no longer useful because it needs to be like ar technology works best when you can use it to model simulation in like medical practices if you want to like practice doing surgery or something basically the way that i see ar it's like um a less obtrusive version of vr and it's a um, like a less side effect inducing version of VR. <laughs> but does that's it, how I see it's most yeah. of its use cases. Does AR? And, yeah, sorry. And being able to then also, I think the problem with VR is that it's a very very solitary experience. Mm. So only one person can experience VR at a time. You can't share the experience. Like you could be playing a VR game. Somebody could be seeing it on a screen or in the same room as you, but they will, they cannot share in that experience. Not like we can have in a movie or looking at a picture or looking at a, a sculpture or something. I think hologram technology that can be viewed by anyone, like I, I yeah, there's a value in that because it doesn't... Um, Limit the experience to one person. Multiple people can view the same thing at the same time and talk about it and discuss it. So if you're looking at, let's just say, um, you're modeling a new car and you're looking at the final design and you want to play around with it and you want to see, I don't know, tint, what colors should we make available? Should we make red or blue or green available? I don't know. And 
then you can all discuss it at the same time and look at this model and play around with it and interact with it. Like holograms, I think it's important that they're interactive, that they can be viewed by lots of people, like by any anyone, but also that they're not super confined to a space. Unless it was something like, what about if it was like a medical practice, like a, you were in a surgery room and you were using that? Would, would it be the more better I'm talking to- about this the more i'm like kind of convincing myself that maybe maybe this is actually a good idea <laughs> so i thought i i, I went into this thinking nah the, the vimeo yeah sure have fun with this gimmick i guess it's how it what it is in its current state right now probably gimmick um but in terms of yeah if you're future focused and and we see develop beyond that it's there's there's certain things that sometimes you think it's going to be good in practice um but they never develop the technology beyond a certain point and never becomes feasible yeah um but if they are i guess they got to do baby steps and you you could at least even if they stopped here it's at least got some purposes in a commercial artistic context or doing 3d modeling that sort of thing yeah, you got to walk before you run. Mm. Yeah, it's usually the other way around. It's usually me trying to convince you about future technology. <laughs> this is really it's upside down day. <laughs> usually I'm here going, Belle, this is the future. <laughs> I've been watching too many of the... the you I, you yes. know the video. That <laughs> yeah, I've sent you too many links. <laughs> but you know, you know the video, like years back, like six or seven years back, they had, there was this video on the future of what maybe... 10 years down the line 20 years or however many years down the line what the future of like education and oh, life yeah. will look like is this Corningwell? i think it might be <laughs> literally in um my technology class our teacher would literally show it every single year <laughs> she'd be like have you guys seen the Corningwell video and i'm like yes yes i have <laughs> yes i have but everyone else would be like no of course we haven't let's see it again <laughs> so it's like this it's like it's a couple years old it's uh i it's remember old. it from back in like it's from back in like 2012 ish i think okay yeah yeah like ages ago such a long time ago but it, it, it is an inspiring video from the perspective that you don't know what the world of the future is going to look like, um, but technology is, you've got to always progress technology. Have you seen, there's this really good video by, um, video series by The Verge, I think, The Verge. I want to say it's by The Verge and starring Grant Imahara. I okay. Know, okay. I think that's how you say his name. <laughs> I'm sorry if I, I, I said your name wrong or I got it wrong. You know, you know, the, the Asian guy from Mythbusters? <laughs> don't watch Miss Buster. <laughs> what? Shut the front door. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of things. <laughs> anyway, he was one of the guys on Mythbusters. Okay. And he does like it's like a um a web series. I don't know. Okay. It's a video series about the home of the future. Uh, oh, and yeah. he basically like gets all these Internet of Things devices, he syncs up his home has a great like speaker system and mm. it's really cool hollywood rate oh and like one of the best parts is like the solar solar it's like completely off the grid mm. and it uses solar panels but the solar panels look so pretty <laughs> <laughs> and they're like instead of them being like they were talking about how solar panels right now you kind of just like stick them on the roofs of houses mm. They're not integrated into architecture. And that's why people think they're ugly and, like, useless and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But instead, um, these solar panels were used as the roof of, like, the garage. Mm. So they were, like, tiles. They were, like, that was all that the roof was. It was just these solar panel tile things. They were really pretty. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And he was talking about how in the future, like, solar panels and stuff are going to become more integrated into the architecture of buildings and everything. And also as that tech... Like, solar panels have have dropped in price mm. over time because that technolo- the technology has just... It continues to get developed and everything. Does it get more efficient? Yeah, it gets more efficient. But solar panels do have a... There's a cap of, like, I think 30 or 33% efficiency. Mm. that's just the nature of the technology but the thing is 
because your once batteries also become better mm-hmm. and safer. <laughs> we'll talk about the the super battery maybe next episode. <laughs> the new lithium lithium plastic batteries that are being developed that don't explode like lithium ions. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Ne- next episode, next episode. Um but like it just shows you like over time technology bring like technological advancements they'll bring down the cost and then people will start using it and then you know it just progresses well look at computers yeah the size that's gone down from in several decades is amazing yeah like if you told if you told like people like 20 or 30 years ago that everyone was going to be carrying around a laptop everyone was being carrying around a phone in their pocket that could literally do like all the stuff that it can do now, like people would have thought you were insane. <laughs> they would be like, "What? What? What are you talking about? I don't carry around a boombox on my shoulder." Like <laughs> even before then, like I don't play records. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> you bought a song and you don't get a physical like thing. It's in the cloud. <laughs> you bought a song for like two dollars and you don't even get a physical thing. Like. It could completely destroy their brains. Or maybe it wouldn't. Maybe they would just be, like, mind blown a little bit. But, like... (laughs) (laughs) I guess it depends how forward thinking you are. Yeah. It just... Technology progresses. And... Well, flying cars are nearly... We're nearly kind of at that point. Somewhat. Like, Like I I think it's still... It's still still somewhat far off, but there's some companies that are nearly about to sell some... I don't know how that's going to have legal implications, but I think you do need a plane license, though. So that might, like, 50 years' time, 100 years' time, you never know. We may have a car license or not even a car license, just a plane license. That could be the future. Or maybe we don't even need a license. Maybe we'd... (laughs) Self-driving. Elon Musk, we believe. Well, I do. <laughs> but you never know. Like, obviously, you've got to consider things through, but never say never. Yeah. So I, th- I think that wraps up our episode for this week. <laughs> um, next week, I think we'll talk about batteries and maybe self-driving cars and maybe maybe flying cars. Um, but there surely will be some Disney. and there will be some technology discussed next week thank you for choosing to give us your ears i hope you enjoyed geeking out with us keep dreaming keep me moving forward and stay nerdy yeah